This is Les Strong, and you're listening to the Full and Focus podcast. Hello and welcome to the first Fulham Focus podcast of the 2022-2023 season in which we hope to see Fulham put to bed the dreaded and just a bit annoying yo-yo tag. My name is Morgan Calton and joining me today in the theme of the Fulham transfer window are two well-seasoned members of the Focus team who we've yet to replace. From somewhere in the land of dodgy Supreme Court decisions we have Buldo and from the depths of the transfer window equivalent of a K-hole I'm joined by J-Mac. Fulham. First off, guys, hope the summers are going well. J-Mac, do you enjoy that burst of global warming we had last week? Yeah, was it a bit a bit too much for me, mate, if I'm being honest. Um, I, 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 um, I couldn't even go out in the garden to be honest. Luckily, where I'm living, I live in this, my, my flat has, it's all in the shade. So actually, oddly enough, it's, it's, it's cooler going into the house than it was going outside. But yeah, it was, it was really nice. But I mean, I'm quite, I'm quite glad to see the back of that, to be honest, mate. I mean, in my opinion, it was slightly preferable to a, uh, you know, a cold Wednesday night in Leeds or something like that. But, you know, maybe not for everyone else. Um, Baldo, where in full America are you then? Uh, I'm in the great land of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, in the Steel City. Um, Just about managed to get a little bit of the uh, global warming, as you say. But thankfully, should anything come my way, uh, thankfully I'm in the land of air conditioning as well. So, and as anyone knows, I'm a, a I'm a larger gentleman, I just should say. So, the air conditioning in this seat, in I mean, any heat that comes along, will be very much appreciated. I'm sure it will for everyone around you as well. All right, guys. Well, we've got a fair bit to cover in this uh, in this episode. We're basically going to be looking back over the summer so far, and yeah, so lots to cover, lots to potentially argue about. So let's crack on. I guess I suppose the uh, most obvious place to start is the summer transfer activity. I think it's fair to say that our window to date has been a little bit underwhelming in terms of numbers through the door, uh, given the extra time and knowledge that you know that we were getting promoted well before the season had concluded. We could have expected to be in a somewhat more comfortable position in regards to squad depth, uh, which is something we'll have to come uh, come to later in the show. Uh, and even Marco Silva has been quoted as saying that we need to act faster in the market. So for once, the Twitter temper tantrums are seemingly felt in the real world as well. Of course, earlier today, recording on. Wednesday, I think we are. Uh, we added Kevin um, Mbabu to the squad. I hope I got his name right. Uh, to give Kenny Tete some competition in the right back spot. But before we discuss the quality of the signing so far, what are your thoughts on what's happened up to this point? Uh, Jay Mack, as someone who's across all the rumours and social media chatter, uh, I'll come to you first. I mean, I'm, it's, it's somewhere in the middle, really. A lot of people are on the verge of freaking out of signings not being done quick enough because... We had about what feels like we were promoted about 12, 13 weeks ago compared to Nottingham Forest about six or seven, but I think. Um, and I think a lot of people are now getting very impatient by where, where we're at. I mean, with Mbabu coming in and potentially Leno, which we'll get onto, I think we're starting to feel a bit more comfortable, but it's still that centre-back that we're crying out for at the moment. I mean, I'm very pleased, you know, maybe... We're doing a much better approach as to we've usually done because we're signing players that are actually a lot more of higher quality rather than a scattergun approach of players that are just in like you know of, of Europe who are not actually sort of the quality of a Palinia, for instance. So we we might be doing it the right way, but it does feel quite frustrating, and it does feel like it's been really like we've really need to get our acting together. I think only yesterday or two days ago, Marcus Silver has again come out saying we need to speed things up quite a lot, but. I don't know. I mean, it's obviously a tricky time. Clubs like Leicester haven't even signed a fucking player yet. And, you know, it's it's it must be really hard for clubs at the moment. So I'm just pleased that we're getting some business done. But yeah, we, we need that centre-back, mate. That, and that's the thing, isn't it? We're looking at the players that we have signed. And theoretically, they're very good players. You know, we... You can look at Paulinho. You can look at, per, uh, you know, Pereira. Even though, you know, we know he hasn't done it at Man U particularly well. He still has a good reputation as a player. Mana Solomon, I don't know a huge amount about him, personally. I know he did quite well for Shakhtar but uh, in the Champions League. But, you know, those odd one-off games, it's a bit different. 
and Umbabu. Again, don't really know a huge amount about him, but seems to be highly rated. Well, he's Swiss. We, we definitely know he's definitely Swiss know from he's the club. Swiss. He's you know? Swiss made. Um, <laughs> yeah, Swiss made. They really they could have done a lot better with the announcement than that. You could have done it Mbabulous. You could have had Hansen perform Mbap or something like that because they're, they're doing a tour at the moment. But they just went Swiss made and they got this huge flag to drape around his shoulders, which I'm convinced is why they announced it late because it, the Amazon delivery was late. So they, they couldn't announce it. I don't know what's more shocking, the uh, the full of the announcement of Mbappé with the fact that you know the Hansen are touring at the moment. Uh, but you know, good effort on following your team. It, it was on. It was on this morning. It was on this morning. Oh. I'm sorry, and I, I've just admitted I watched this yeah, morning. I was as say, well, that's so worse than probably knowing yeah. than the Hansen are touring. Um, yeah. Bulldog, Welcome back, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Bulldo, what are your thoughts? I mean, you know, we find ourselves ten days out from the start of the season. We are missing this uh, key centre back. I think with you know when when you are a team like us, you need to build from the back. So we need that goalkeeper, we need that centre back, and everything around hopefully slots in. But I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I think it is a case of we've addressed the the wrong positions first, as it were. You know, I think everyone say you know everyone could make the argument of Rodak. You know, does he deserve to have? A go? I personally think he deserves to have a go again in the in the Premier League, but. If we want to bring someone else in, I'm not going to be too fussy. You know, I was very much on the Ariola bandwagon when there were you know, various reports that he was going to be coming in. I gladly take Ariola. Leno, I can give or take. If you know, if you if this deal coming, oh, we're going with Rodak to start the season. I'll be fine with it. But yeah, you know, centre back is another position that you know needs to be addressed. I think the main frustration does come with the time thing. Like if you want to say, hey, we're taking our time, we're getting the right transfers in. You know, Mbabu, from all I've heard, seems to be a pretty good. You no, know, seems to be a pretty good option. Everyone seems to love Paulinho. Everyone seems to like what we're doing, but there are still it's there's still holes to be filled, and it is the timing issue that's the worst thing. You know, even if we do get things done, you know, say we get two centre-backs in tomorrow. Say it's Diop and Rodon, just for the sake of argument. It's still only 10 days out of the start of the season. There's only, what, one pre-season game left for them to get gelled in and a week's worth of training. That's still not enough time. Those are still positions that still should have been focused on and sorted out before the season started when they had a lot of time. So you can say, yes, we've done some signings right. We've got, you know, we're getting quality over quantity compared to the, you know, the 18-19 farce. But even so, there is still an element of there is still a lot of holes that need to be fixed and we have still done it the wrong way. I think when we look at the 18-19 season, we hadn't actually made a huge amount of signings um, prior to deadline day. Obviously, the signing of Van Gieser on deadline day for like 30 million really sent up how much we were spending. But when we brought in Schurler, I think we looked at him and went, oh, okay, that's actually a good signing. Obviously, it turned out to be uh, less than brilliant. Um, and with Seri, for example, we were all kind of our opinion was all led by the fact that Barcelona had been interested in him. And whilst he was, you know, did well for us this season, this first season with us was terrible. Um, but then again, so was everyone else's. So I guess I, we're saying, yes, we're bringing in quantity, uh, sorry, quality over quantity, but we don't know the quality until they start playing. And I think, whereas, yes, we don't want to bring... Uh, a load of players who aren't up to the job, nor do they want to be up to the job, as we've seen in the past. We want to bring in players who will fight for the team, who will fight to help us stay up. But again, I think any of the players that we played last season would have fought to keep us up. They just weren't the right quality there. So I think as we you know, get closer to that Liverpool game, you, know, you have to think that it's going to be Tosin and Ream starting at centre-back. Whether Mbabu comes in at right back is yet to be seen. Whether Leno or a another keeper comes in for Rodak, uh, I think it's unlikely unless it happens before Sunday. I think Leno signs tomorrow or Friday. He plays against Villarreal. He plays against Liverpool. If he doesn't play against Villarreal, Rodak starts against Liverpool. And we've managed to come through a whole pre-season in this situation. And I think one of... Uh, Tony Khan's quotes about the signing of Mbabu today was we've been trying to get this transfer for several years. And it's just like, it does feel like every transfer we're doing at the moment is taking several years. I mean, the Man of Solomon one was ridiculous. And I think that, I don't know how much time has been wasted uh, in certain areas. Um, they may say, obviously, it's a business decision. But you have to look at where we're spending our time. Who are the people 
uh, you know, spending their time on these transfers and not getting them over the line because you've got a very, very pissed off head coach, I imagine, who is now going, we're coming into the toughest season that he's had to deal with and he hasn't got enough players. So I think we can be optimistic about the players we have, but we do need a lot more of them. Yeah, just to add on to that, I, I, you, my, your original question was, you know, what have I made of all this? I usually really enjoy a transfer window, as you know, and all the gossip. But I have to say, either I'm just actually now growing up a bit or just realising that actually this hasn't been a very... It hasn't been very fun because every single transfer we've been linked to has just taken an absolute age and saga to get through the line. Um, and like you say, with the, the situation is, it's almost as if we've now decided that Liverpool is a write-off, which I guess it is. But there are. It would really help if we just got some players in before then, especially during preseason, which is the most important time. But yeah, it just hasn't been. It hasn't felt. Maybe once Leno happens tomorrow day after, like you say, it might all start sort of rolling in a bit, and we will get that centre back, and we might get that extra winger and Maxwell Cornet or something. But I'm just at the moment just feeling a bit sort of frustrated and just a bit uh, grossed out compared to the sort of you know how nice, shiny and glossy, I usually feel about every single fucking rumour, but yeah, I don't know. I think, again, you're probably uh, slightly comparing it to uh, how Forrest are doing their window. They seem to be splashing the cash uh, in a very 1819-esque way, whereas Bournemouth have come up and they've grabbed a couple of free transfers and that seems to be it. So I think we have to look at it. The thing is, sorry, 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 the thing is though, with the Forrest one, yes, they are spending a lot of money, but you are looking at the players they're bringing in and you're thinking, right, they're bringing quality as well, you know, as well as the quantity. You know, maybe they are doing a repeat of what we were doing because, you know, everyone's saying they had a lot of uh, holes to fill because a lot of their players were loanees and expiring contracts and ours were pretty much the same. But you do still look at Forrest and you do think, like, the Jesse Lingard one, I still think that will be a very good signing. You know, even if, you know, there may be some criticism, but I think that's a good signing. Neko Williams, we know what he could produce. We know what he did last year. I think in the Premier League, that's a good signing. Some of the others, Dean Henderson on loan for Man United. Stunning. I would have loved to have Dean Henderson on loan for the year for Man United. That would have been a perfect signing for us, I think. There is just a lot of, even if they're not getting everything, but there are just a couple of those players you think, yeah, instead of Carvalho, to replace Carvalho, Jesse Lingard, that wouldn't have been a bad idea. Nico Williams, um, there are players that you think, we should have been getting them. Why aren't we? Well, there's, there's an... There's an argument to be made that, you know, with the signing of Nico Williams for how expensive it was, um, it wasn't worth it for the style that they play, for the style that we play. I wouldn't trust Nico Williams as a starter or even as a substitute in a back four in the Premier League. But in a back five, as a wing back, I think it'll be perfect. I think they've done a lot of real clever business. And Dean Henderson, I believe, has been used to goalkeeping, good with the ball at his feet, but also worked in a, in a back five for Sheffield United, I believe. I'm, I'm not too sure on that, but they, they there's... It's been very fast and it does seem scattergun, but I think there has been some real, the Lingard thing. I mean, I know the the wages are astronomical, as everyone says, but I mean, if they stay up, that's that's worth all the money, in my opinion. And it's it's it should, you know, with him and Brennan Johnson up front with all the rest of them, it could just be that bit of creativity we need because Steve Cooper can actually be a very sort of, pragmatic coach and be quite sideways possession almost quite Scott Parker like but when you have the creativity of someone like Lingard in there it could do what we failed to do last season under Scott Parker I think when you look at the Lingard transfer the fact that he's on a one-year contract and he's being paid 80 grand a week for it that's that's not a bad bit of business on Forrest's part I mean there were rumors of 200 grand a week which were put to bed pretty quickly with bonuses, maybe there is, but yeah, eighty seems to be the sort of the. But that's the thing: if you get, if you get that staying up, like the you know the um, staying up bonus, mm. or you know goals bonus, or whatever bonus, he's paying for himself. Then eighty grand a week is kind of what you're looking at for, you know, a lower level, top class player mm. in you know Premier League teams. I mean, Mitro's probably on what ninety grand a week in the Premier League, um, and you know we've got a sort of think, you know, hopefully he's going to be banging them in this season as well, but Lingard's going to be doing a lot for that team. I'm not saying that we should have signed him, but he's certainly, you know, one of those players that if we had looked at, it'd be interesting to know why we wouldn't have got hit him and Forrest did. Well, I'm, I'm not fully convinced that we're done in the uh, attacking midfield market, if I'm being honest. I think that even though uh, Pereira has been very good in pre-season, as he is dubbed pre-season Perlo, I, I noticed in the friendlies that he, he had a more sort of bitey number eight sort of attitude. Now, there is the argument that maybe Marcus Silva might play instead of just a classic 10, do for two attacking number eights going forward like he used to do with Watford, but and some in some cases Everton. But I think that what would be interesting is 
I'm very interested to see if Pereira's actually not going to play the, the complete full 10 that Carvalho did, and we might see us get another attacking midfielder. And I'm not saying it's going to be Ross Barkley, because I know no one wants that, but someone of that sort of ilk. I could imagine us going for that, because I'm still not entirely convinced, even with Palina, who's obviously... A, you know, a Champions League Kevin McDonald, Pereira, who is obviously lots of flair and Brazilian and looks great on his day. But even with Harrison Reed, I feel like we need to get a Premier League sort of experience, number eight or attacking midfielder in there just to make ourselves feel a bit better. I'm not saying necessarily Barkley. I'm not necessarily saying Oxford Chamberlain, but a player who can be injury prone that can come on and change a game or hold a game. I don't know. But yeah, there's, there's arguments to be made there. No, I would agree with that. I think we need, we need to bolster that area because whilst, as you say, Pereira has, uh, you know, shown glimpses of what he can do. He does strike me as one of those players that will start the season like a sort of greyhound out the trap. But come December, when he starts getting a little bit tired, obviously the World Cup's in the way, which I don't know if he's going to go to the World Cup with Brazil or not. Mm. Um, But I don't see him as a full season player. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, he proves me wrong, but he definitely strikes me as someone that if things start going against us, his head might drop and he strikes me as his that sort of quality comes from a confidence player and I hope you know he's got a lot of work rate determination and all that and that he doesn't sort of start getting his head turned if we start dropping results but if he does we need to have a backup in there so yeah I mean and the other argument you can make as well just sorry I'll I'll stop boring on about this is that you could you know if you wanted a bit of creativity you could you use Harry Wilson or Mana Solomon in the attacking midfield role, which they have done before. But even with them on the wings, Harry Wilson and Solomon, both pretty much unproven in the Premier League. So I hope on deadline day, as this progresses with the transfer saga, that we do get a winger in like a Maxwell Kone or a Man- or, or a Dennis um, who can play striker or winger, who can just provide us a bit more security that there can be goals off the bench or j- just in case that doesn't work out. But I'm sure Mana Solomon will be absolute, you know, the next Eden Hazard, as he was once dubbed when he was linked Arsenal. But yeah, just all these sort of things, I just think that do concern me, but I think we can, I think we'll definitely address as the time goes on. Baldo, anything to add to that? No, I just, I just think you've got, you've got absolutely right, because if you talk about Wilson coming in and play, or Solomon playing as a number 10 role, that does mean you've got, you know, the likes of even Cavaliero or Anthony Knockhart having to fill, having to fill those spaces. And I think those are, you know, that will fill many, Fulham fans would dread if you have to think about them playing, particularly if it's regularly in the Premier League once again. Yeah, no, totally agree. Um, I think the sooner we get, maybe, I think we need maybe three or four more signings, two centre-backs, goalkeeper, and then, you know, an attacking midfielder, winger, maybe even five. Because uh, we still got two loan spaces from Premier League teams. So in theory, we could bring someone, uh, two players in then, uh, which I don't think is a bad thing. I think loans from Premier League pl- uh, teams can be a benefit if they are, you know, decent players and they've just dropped down the pecking order. Um, but I think uh, we need to focus on getting those permanent transfers in and making sure that we can start the season knowing that we have squad squad depth. And, and just yeah, just to summarise on that, Morgs, that's actually another thing that has, if I'm going to say something positive, that's actually been very impressive about this window so far is actually that we are doing permanent transfers. And that's something that actually I'll give the Khans a lot of credit for. We're, we're learning from the mistake of that. And it, it just feels a little bit more reassuring that we have these guys co- like tied down to contracts, which means they will play probably with a lot more vigour in them and actually want to survive as opposed to people here just for a little holiday like Ruben Loftus-Cheek was. No offence. <laughs> Don't worry, he doesn't listen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think well, I, th- I think Mana Solomon's the only one so far who's come in on a loan, uh, but that's yeah. such a complex agreement by the sounds of it that I would assume, you know, if we stay up, he'll be with us um, for three, four years after that. I think um, so too. Yeah. I mean, one thing that I will uh, be very happy about when this whole transfer window is o- over for another few months. I don't know about you guys. I mean, Baldo, you're probably more on my side than J-Mac, but I am so over the whole in-the-no lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It is bad. I think it's, I think it's also because we're at a level where we you, you can't really trust the in-nos because there's there, there isn't really, you know, that big journalist or, you know, a lot of journalists assigned to us. All we've really had is 
know, the Romano Solomon stuff. But other, it's not like, you know, Manchester United where you can have, you know, Sky Insiders and BBC Insiders and Mail and Sun and all these other stuff. We're just basically clamouring for everything we can get. And was a, is this a trusted source? Yeah, he's, he's got some guy from Turkey. I don't know. Can we trust? Whereas with, you know, with the bigger clubs, you've got, you know, I know this from my work when I was covering Newcastle for my, for my previous job. You had guys like George Colkin and you know, those guys and Luke Edwards. If it comes from them, you know it's confirmed. Whereas with us, everything is taken with a grain of salt. You know, are we big enough to really warrant this? These insiders uh, leaking information about us. You know, you just don't know who to trust. So yes, as I say, the in the no season. As soon as that's gone, as soon as that's over, I'm I'm happy. I'm pretty sure one the other day was I've seen at Motspur Park. I'm I'm pretty sure we just lived near Motspur Park and he saw some bloke who looked a bit like someone that he may have known. <laughs> um, I'm just it's. I mean, I wake up to uh, you know. At least four or five messages from you, J Max, sort of posting tweets from people who have, uh, you know, sort yeah. of said that so and so signing or whatever. <laughs> well, I mean, all of them are me, mate. Um, it's, I've got about seven true, yeah, burner accounts burner. on the go. <laughs> just, just, just need the likes and the follows, man. Like, yeah, no, I, I, I just try and keep you guys in the. I, it's just you know, you hear complete nonsense like you've seen, you know, Balotelli at Motspur outside, all that kind of crap. Like, obviously, it's just a bit of fun, but now it's actually, as I was saying, it's it's not fun because of how long every transfer is taking this uh, this window. I'm just now, like, I'm a bit done within the nose as well, if I'm being completely honest. I'm too old and grumpy these days for all that. I used to love it when I was about 15. Yeah. Really club call. Well, yeah, I think a lot of a lot of some club club people. Speed. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to liven everyone up. But actually, I'm sort of slowly decaying with the rest of you. So, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> dying on the inside. Don't worry yeah. about all of this. But yeah, so um, we've still got. You know, I come in when the transfer window closes. I think it closes uh, near the end of August. It's so the first of September. Got... I looked earlier. Actually, it was it's the first of September this year. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, which means we've still got plenty of time to do uh, get some over the line. Obviously, as we said before, we had so long to prepare for this season, and it is a real uh, head scratcher for a, you know a nice way of putting it that we've managed to sort of let so few uh, get so many of our uh, so few of our targets so far. But you know, we just have to look uh, look ahead. Hopefully, the ones that we have so far will do uh, do the business against Liverpool. Um, and then we'll get further recruitments uh, as and when they arrive, and hopefully come, you know, at the end, very least the World Cup break, we'll be in a sort of relatively solid position. Um, moving on, so sort of, you know, so far uh, we have had three preseason games all over in Portugal. Um, I don't know if they played any behind closed doors ones. Again, I saw some rumours about behind closed doors games, but I'm taking them with a pinch of salt as well. Um, and despite the lack of signings, we've uh, managed to win two and lose one of our three games. And uh, we've got one left against Villarreal on Sunday. Uh, obviously, a 5-1 loss against Benfica the day after beating Nice 2-0. And then again on penalties, which was just weird. Uh, you know, the Benfica game was a bit humbling. But overall, uh, you know, Baldo, what have you thought about what we've seen? Um, you know, I, obviously not everyone's able to watch these friendlies, but... From what you've seen, does it look like a similar style to what we were playing last season, or do you think uh, Marco's trying a few new things? It's been, I think, I think the style, the style of play has been okay. I've seen some tweaks, I've seen some things staying the same. I think part of it is down to the players and the personnel that we've got. Like the first half of, it was the first half of the Nice game, wasn't it, where it was like eight or nine academy players. Yeah. You had the, you know, the goal line clears from Idris. Odateu, I know I've got that Idris. wrong, but that one when everyone started to say, yeah, everyone started to say, oh, Christ, we we may have the new centre back right here in front in front of us, but you know you've got to take that with a bit of, you know, I remember when when that lineup first came through and everyone would say, crikey, is you know is this it? And you see, you know, it was a real sort of um, a look at what the depth of the squad is, in that that there was no depth because we're going into this preseason friendly, and we've got all these academy players with it. And, you know, I'm someone who you know, is, an, is very much an advocate of getting as many you know, academy players through as possible. That's why I quite like, and we're going to touch on this later, the nine subs rule. Because, you know, nine well nine substitutes, five substitutions. And I think it will be a great chance for some of our academy players to, to shine. I've said I've said previously, I'd like I'd like a couple more of us come through. We've seen what Cessignon and Elliot and Roberts and Carvalho can do. Let's give more of them a go. So, but results overall... I think I'm a bit like Statif, 
you can use them in any way you want to prove or disprove your point. Now, like, we beat Nice 2-0. Oh, yeah, that's a great thing. We lose 5-1 to Benfica. Oh, it's just a training. It's just fitness. So I've never really taken any sort of major impact from preseason friendlies. Last year was a bit different because I think, you know, because me and you went to the Charlton game uh, along with along with our colleague Frenchy. And we were saying, you know, we had roughly had an idea of what the side was going to be. So we could actually see, right, what is this team doing? Whereas I think now with the stage, because we know there's still going to be some transfers coming in, you know, we knew that, you know, with the Solomon one, he's probably going to be a first-teamer, but we can't see what he's like with the team. So is this really what we'd say? So it's been a little bit sort of hectic to understand, but, yeah, I I think pre-season, as I said, you can take take what you want from it. If you want to ignore it, you're fine to do that. If you want to read every bit of detail, then, you know, all the, all the power to you. But I'm not, reading, I'm not reading too much into it until we get a full idea of what the of what the squad is going to be personally i would say that um you know the the fact that we've only had three friendlies and two of them with a you know day after each other so for me it strikes me as a slightly odd pre-season you're kind of used to having a few more games spread out through the um, through the lead up um obviously giving the sort of the, essentially the youth team a chance in that first game was fine but i mean essentially means that we've had two pre-season games for the senior team so far um, and you know, that's not that's not a big preseason. Um, I, I guess the fact that they've been training in Portugal, uh, playing games in the hot weather, which is uh, which they could have done over here, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but they, um, it's you know, it'll be interesting to see how sharp they look against Villarreal. Um, and then you know, they've got five days to prepare for Liverpool. Uh, should they have had another game? Maybe they. I, you know, I don't think they'll slot in a behind closed doors game, um, you know, in the middle of next week. So that's too soon to the Liverpool game. Uh, but you know, it just seems like they could have maybe sort of got a game in earlier. Um, I don't know. It's uh, seems too few games to the senior team um, leading up to a massive season, really. Uh, but in Marco, we trust, and hopefully, he's got the uh, got an idea of what he's doing um, yeah. with this team. Uh, Jay but- Mac. Well, it was just good to see Mitro score as well. I mean, like, you know, it seems that we're definitely getting the crosses in. And um, you know, it was good that he scored a fair few. I don't know what I don't know what that guy said to him. Um he just like Mitro just suddenly went absolutely ballistic at one of the players at one point. That was really funny to look at. Um but yeah, there, there was some... called him Bosnian. Yeah, that would pretty that would do it. That would do it. <laughs> I, I feel like yeah, it's it's it was really it was good to see him obviously score. I feel like he's gonna prove a lot of doubters wrong this season, I hope. Um I've noticed he's actually at 8% chosen on uh, the Fantasy uh, Premier League app, um, which is about 3% more than Ivan Tony's been picked, may I add? But um, yeah, I, I, think, I, think he'll, I think he'll prove a lot of people wrong. And I think also, it was just like I said earlier, it's good to see Pereira do very well and not actually the role I was expecting from him. It looks quite like a, like a feisty player almost. That was, that was good to see, yeah. But yeah, in terms of preseason, like, you know, we could have won... 10-0 against Benfica and still get absolutely dicked by Liverpool and Brentford and the other games. So it just It's all about just, you know, trying to get the fitness up at this stage. But it was really good to see some of the things we did. I think it's a, you look at you look at preseason results all around the place. I mean, Everton got beaten 4-0 by Minnesota United. I mean, it's, that's it, yeah. you know, it's games like that. I mean, that's probably going to set the tone for Everton's season. Um, but, you know, you can't sort of read anything into preseason results. And it's a it's a long old season, and getting turned over five one in your second game in two days is is what it is, really, isn't it? Um, yeah. All the Lampard but, memes, all the Lampard memes for that one. It's just yeah, you love those, don't you? <laughs> so good, so good. <laughs> You'll have them till about October when he's out of a job. Yeah, well, uh, earlier, earlier. So yeah, we've got this one last uh, preseason game, uh, VRL on Sunday. Um, it will we? I I don't know. If we will be, but will Mana Solomon be able to play in this one, seeing as it's a friendly? Do either of you know? I actually, do, I mean, that's the thing. It's a tricky question because you said, you know, what a saga that's been with FIFA and their new rule. And it's apparently 1st of August that he can't actually start. Well, it was 1st of August. I said we can't announce it, but we've already announced it. So maybe there's been some sort of deal that gone on there that actually means we can announce it and he can play. I'm not too sure. I think we'll only know on the day, unfortunately, but I think it'll be very important. He's definitely training with us. We know that. I'm just hoping that you actually get to see him 
just get to see him in action and see what he can do because it's really important that he starts flying because it's you know a lot of pressure on the guy for like the reputation he's had and how long it's all been drawn out. Well, as uh, Baldo touched on, uh, we're sort of going to the uh, this is the last game before we head into the first game of the season against Liverpool. And obviously, one of the big changes that we'll be seeing is the full-time introduction of the five subs rule and a matchday squad of 20 rather than the current 18. Um, clearly, this is going to benefit those teams with greater squad depth. Uh, but for teams like us, it could be a good chance to give some of our under 23 players a taste of the first team, even if it's just being part of the squad uh, rather than getting a taste, uh, rather than getting onto the pitch. Um, personally, unlike you, although I was against the move, as I feel. Like five subs has the potential to result in games essentially becoming more akin to friendlies than competitive league games. Um, but I do get your point about being able to blood academy players into the into the squads. But you know, do you think it will have that adverse effect on the flow of games? I know they can only make the subs it sort of in three different t- uh, times during the game, um, but realistically. Once you sort of insert, you know, four, five players into the team, you're really sort of messing with the rhythm, surely. Yeah, but I, I, I think that the, you know, the whole three, you know, the three substitution slots, as it were, I think that kind of negates all the fears of, you know, if you know, if you had five different substitutions, then you know how long substitutions are taking it, and you, you drag on the rhythm. But I think with the three, it still keeps it to some level. This, I think, it still keeps it to some level the same. And I think for us, I think it is. Now, I, I really want to take this from from Fulham. Yes, there will be the thing, you know, Manchester City, when they're getting tired, they can bring on, for, for the sake of argument, they can bring on Bernardo Silva, they can bring on Riyad Mahrez, they can bring on Phil Foden, say, whereas we're going to be bringing on Niskin Scabano, Tom Kearney, and um, uh, Luke Harris, say, just one of, the, one of the academy things. I think there is some element to that, but really it's just, we we're in that we were in that situation anyway. It's like if we'd have stuck with seven subs, would it really have made any difference for us on a on a usual match day? I think this is more for uh, looking towards the looking towards the future thing. And also, whilst I know there are some people, particularly with the in the team chat, that aren't really in this whole, you know, players need rest and everything. Oh, you know, they're they're professional athletes. It's only ninety minutes a week. How can they be? It is still with modern sports science and technology and how we track things. It is still very important, especially with the World Cup coming up this summer, that some players are going to need some players are going to need their you know are going to need their rest and make sure you know rather than playing ninety minutes a week, they're playing seventy minutes a week. And with this substitution thing, they're they're allowed to do so. So I think there will be still be some benefits for us. You know, it may be that we have to bring on an energetic youngster to you know maybe if we're seeing out a game. Rather than being able to bring on, you know, a, a towering central defender, we can bring on, you know, a young a young speedster who, you know, chase the, you know, can be busy chasing down the opposition whilst they're passing the ball around the back, uh, trying trying to build it up. So that I think there is some way of, you know, getting some benefit to this. You know, we may not have the players, but I still think, you know, for a club our size, there will be something for us to get out of it. I also think that it's going to also mean that we will probably see more signings. Not trying to bring it back to the transfer window thing, but we will actually see more of a quite carnish uh, spend towards deadline day because I think with the depth you need with that new sub role, we will probably get more players in and probably them be loans from Europe, not necessarily domestic loans because we only have two. But also it's a, it's a chance for them to thrive. I really I wasn't really keen on the idea either, Morgs, unless they had actually stipulated a rule where two of them have to be from your academy. That way it could have been a lot more beneficial to clubs like us, obviously I'm being biased, with grade one academies. You know, It would have been benefited us for having a really good infrastructure for that. Um, but at the same time, I think it will benefit, I'm no doubt, the depth that we'll acquire by the Khans closer to deadline day, but also we'll see Stansfield and players like Harris really flourish and probably up their game like up their game up their transfer market value just to get sold to Liverpool for peanuts at the end of the season so I'm sure but I do I do think we'll see we'll see some we'll see some magic every now and then from Stansfield and Luke Harris I think but that's just maybe a bit optimistic I think it's interesting that we're seeing uh you know obviously the growth of the benches to nine nine players and but obviously you know the five subs whereas I don't know if it's um, just in Italy 
uh, obviously they've had the five. They kept a lot of the European leagues have kept the five subs rule from the COVID times, but the the Italian benches I've always noticed have been you know essentially full squads on the bench. You can much like sort of like World Cup matches, um, you can pick from your whoever is on your bench. There seems to be you know you have to you know ten eleven players or whatever in there. Um, so it's kind of it's interesting that we've never incorporated that into the Premier League. I think it's a bit different, obviously, in the lower leagues. But I'm surprised that we haven't seen that uh, in order to encourage more integration of academy players within first-team setups. Because I think it's very important for, um, for for the national team as much as anything. I know a lot of these uh, academy players are uh, from abroad, but at the same time, you know, plenty of them are English or, you know, have, um, you know, the right to play for England or whatever you want to call it. So I do that. It, I think the sort of the plus point of this is that we will get a chance to see more young names on the bench. But I still, you know, from my point of view, I still think that having five new players on the pitch essentially coming in from the second half uh, will have a slightly sort of adverse effect on on matches, yeah. Generally, not slowing the play down, but the actual the rhythm of the team. Yeah, what you can do to time wasting as well. And there's another thing none of us have considered. I mean, we've all forgotten about it, but I mean, it's like just waiting for us to rear his ugly head is VAR, and like we you know we had an absolute some nightmares of that last season. Obviously, it's still improving. I think um, I can't remember the name of the the famous uh, the famous uh, referee who's just retired. He's in charge of at Stockley now. Oh, uh, Mike yeah, he's 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 now that's his new that's his new job. So it could it could get even worse. I don't know, <laughs> but like we'll see. It's, but yeah, that's that's something to also be. Aware VAR of. is what it is. I mean, you have to uh, believe that they get the majority of decisions right. It's just a bit frustrating, and we've said this before in the lead up to you know VAR games of last uh, two seasons ago, whatever. It takes away from that emotion. Yeah, of the game. But then again, if a decision goes right for you. There's a whole new wave of emotion, so True. it's just a different. The emotions get twisted. Uh, although you know, football fans were simple beasts. We like the emotion when a goal goes in. We like emotion when we get a penalty, and this, that, and the other. It's to have to wait, you know, minutes to sort of like discover your fate. Yeah, I think is it's, uh, I don't like it, but at the same time, football is a business, and you want to see business decisions made. Uh, properly, I guess, and uh, leaving it up to the blind bastards in the middle, uh, it just wasn't really working, I guess. So we move on. VAR is it? You know, it's not going anywhere, um, and you know, it's uh, we look forward to it next season. Another thing that we look forward to next season uh, is our new kit, uh, because. <laughs> That's uh, that's a topic that supposed adults of Fulham Twitter seems to be getting up knickers in a twist about. It's because it's all so late, uh, Morgs, like everything, you know, it's just, that's the reason. I don't care, it's a fucking shirt. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter, they're not going to be naked when they come out in the first game of the season. It just, it's, oh, I just like the fact that people are getting so up in arms about it. It's like, I mean, I was just thinking, you know, we got promoted, you have to renegotiate sponsorship deals you've then got to place the order with the with adidas who have then got to get all like thousands of kits made up to then have them in the shop or available to think you're not going to announce something you know two months before that's going to be a blank shirt and then sort of go oh you can't buy it until you know january july 29th but i mean baldo what's your thing i'm i you know, I'm getting more pissed because of uh, people being pissed. Well, I think I, I think it's more. The, I think it's more the fact that people are using it as a microcosm to explain all that is going wrong with it. You know, if we can't even get the kit out early, then or on time, or whatever, then how do you expect us to do anything else, right? And I think it is more so as a frustration. I think it's may it may also be a frustration for a lot of people leaving it so late. Is Again, this is talking from my perspective. There may be a bunch of others, you know, statistically at least one idiot like me who thinks that way. But I want to wear, yeah, you know, I want to wear it on my summer holidays. If everyone's going away on summer holidays, they want to wear the new shirt out when they go to, you know, when they, whenever they go out on holiday. So maybe they say, "Oh, well, I've got to wait till July when the season's almost over, when I've had my holidays, so I can't really do it." You know, they want to get as much use out of it as possible. And if they have to wait another, you know, another month for it to go on, then it just, it's just annoying, you know. There were times, in fact, I think I think the Great Escape game 
uh, down to Portsmouth, they were wearing next season's away shirt. Mm. Whilst we, you know, on that day, you know, before the and a lot of teams also done this. You know, they brought they brought out next season's kit, and they wear it for the last game of the last game of the previous season. So it can be done at a reasonable time. But why we are always you no, know, why we always it's because we keep changing sponsor. It. We've had a then different that's... sponsor every year. Yeah, for the last few years, it, it might it might be and the sponsor. Yeah, it is that. I, I I mean, it must be surely because I mean, those deals aren't simple. You don't just ring someone up and say, "Do you fancy sticking your name on a shirt?" It's you know there'll be a lot of negotiations, there'll be a lot of bidders, um, and you know it's not like we're having sort of four seasons of demon internet these days. Well, what's you know, I, I remember actually it was back in the twenty two thousand four two thousand five or two thousand three two thousand four season. I think we played Arsenal last game of the season at well last home game of the season at Loftus Road, and we wore our new blue away kit in that game. So we were not only we were in the new kit, we were wearing our new away kit, mm. and, uh, just to show it off. I mean, that's advanced planning. That was it. Yeah, that was the it was the invin- it was the invincible season, wasn't it? Because that was when Vadasar copped yeah, up with Jose Reyes, I think. R.I.P. Yeah, that was yeah. it. Yeah, right. That was uh, so that you're saying, so but you're basically saying there. We're really going into depth to this. Sorry about that. But like you're saying there that the reason that. So who was our provider back then? Out of interest. Who was the who 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 made that the was kit? Humor. Right. Okay. So I think there is no coincidence at all that our kits have always been shambolically late ever since we signed with Adidas. I don't think that's like that's not a coincidence. I feel because we're a very low tier club. Um, obviously, clubs like Man United, Leicester, top six sort of clubs at the moment are getting theirs released early. I think we have to follow a really, really low long pecking order for us to us to get announced. And I think when this deal ends and we get put with, I don't know, like Hummel, Hummels or. Um, uh, what's the other ones that you got? You got Puma, all that kind of thing. I think we'll see them a lot earlier. What's but... that new one? Katori. Katori's uh, nice. One the... the wings, isn't it? Yeah, I quite like that. I quite yeah. like that. So what you're what you're can saying say, is, is the one... is the Germans' fault? Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. Okay. Can- cancel Leno. Cancel Brexit. Leno. Brexit, cancel him. <laughs> can I say one thing though, Morgs? Your point, and I'm sure it was a very succinct point, and probably you know ninety percent of it correct. But if you want to say, oh, we've got promoted. Again, surely this is something we knew we were getting promoted back in March. Surely we should have got the head jump on it. Yeah, but we didn't know. If, if, I'm it's, a... if it's all, if what you say is it's all down to the sponsors and having to negotiate that, surely again it's something this should have been sorted out in April. Yeah, but I guess if you've than... got you know businesses like you know multi-million-pound businesses don't work on maybes, they want to know for sure that you know promotion is secured, that Premier League football will be played next year, and then they go to the effort of putting in the bidding. But no, I think, you know, the fact that, you know, it would have taken a while. And I think, um, you know, we can touch on the fact that we've got another betting sponsor. But the fact is, uh, you know, the the club were very keen to point out that it was a record sponsorship deal. Um, So I think getting the process of getting a record sponsorship deal probably takes a little while rather than just sort of getting some cut and paste logo kind of thing from a company who's going to pay you half a million for a season. but I mean, obviously, the, the yeah, I think I think you yeah. brought sorry, sorry, Morgan. I think you brought that up on the chat. Is the way they sort of framed it as the record breaking does kind of tie in with what you know? So he can't said with uh, during his interview um, with the club a couple, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Is he you know he was very keen to stress financial fair play and everything that's going on. So the way the club went, it made it sound. I, I think it was you that brought this up. Was that they had to get or they. No, they, it was it was really the only option for us to gain. I don't know, you know, I can't remember if they mentioned what the finances were, but say it's twenty million a year. Say every single thing before it has been you know, five million a year, but now because of everything, we have to go and get something that would pay us twenty million a year to make us financially viable. So maybe that maybe that does that maybe that does play a part in it. But one thing I will say about one thing I will say about the kit, and just to sort of jump in, just I've got the note. I'm. Yeah, just because we mentioned Shahikan, I want to know when we're going to get a jag, a Jaguars Fulham crossover. Kit. Never, like Absolutely when are we going to get a teal, there will be never light a good blue, green away? I want one. No, it is a good color. It is a great color combination. I want that as a full. It's not bad actually, the color combo, but it would, it's not right. You shouldn't do that. <laughs> no, I, we're more like to get some sort of AEW Fulham crossover. with sort of like you know they're going to be coming out in like tight spandex or something like that. And well, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do hope. 
I do hope that our away kit is actually kind of. I mean, the rumours it's green. I just I'd love green stripes and go the full sporting look, just because of how many Portuguese and Portuguese speakers we have in our team now. Just Marco Silva influence and all that sort of jam. But like, yeah, I uh, yeah, I, I I think I've 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 done this to death now. But yeah, green would be nice, and you know, sponsors that you know aren't. Uh, Bad for your health would be lovely, but you know it's a business, and we've got to be oh. realistic sometimes. I've 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 been up in arms about it in the past. I don't say up in arms. I've sort of like think I don't think it's great that we have got a betting sponsor. I don't think betting sponsorship is a good thing in the football world. I quite used to enjoy sort of seeing alcohol sponsors, but then again, are they good? I mean, is anything good? I mean, World Mobile is anything great? Yeah. But you know, World Mobile yeah. also involving crypto, which the markets just crashed. So are they good? It's kind of there is there are good points and bad points. I don't if there are many good points to a Chinese betting company, but I mean, uh, it makes the Chinese happy, I guess. But you know, <laughs> yeah. there's not a lot of good points around it. I would, you know, I'd like something. Yeah, Whole Foods, that'll do. Or yeah. you know, very full of so that. Very full of yeah, exactly. Uh, there, there, there are so many. It's at the end of the day. It's a logo. Uh, obviously, there will be, uh, you know, more, you know, marketing around W88 uh, around the ground. Not that we can bet on them. I don't think that we yeah. even have. There's no British app. You know, we've got all the other ones. No, it's um, it's dodgy. It's dodgy. Um, it's dodgy. I will, it is dodgy, I, which is fun. I think it's easy for you know when people get annoyed about it on Twitter to say, oh yeah, but Crystal Palace dropped it and look, like, they, you know, they and you know Aston Villa dropped it. Yeah, they dropped it after they got heat loads of cash after a season or two. Like, you know, we're, we're, we are a yo-yo at the moment. We don't want to be, of course, but as soon as we're actually a bit more established, then I'm, I'm more than, you know, I'm sure the Khans will be more than happy to take less cash and be more virtuous, you know? Uh, yeah, anyway, we'll get, it's... We'll get it's, UNICEF next time or something like that. You know, one of yeah. these sort of, you know, cha- we'll get a charity. I'll be fine. Get a charity. But it'll have to be soon. Yeah, it have to be. Yeah. And obviously the new kit is coming out on Friday <clears throat> uh, to be purchased in the film shop on Sunday prior to the VRL game uh, for uh, the measly sum of £276, um, <laughs> yeah. excluding name printing. Um, is that less than a ticket then? Or what? <laughs> yeah, I was, and that's the thing I was about to say. I was going to touch on the whole uh, ticket fiasco, but I've decided not to because... Again, we've you know we've spoken for forty five minutes, and I think it's been done to death the whole ticket thing. I think you I know agree. we've uh, they've we've everyone's made their point. The supporters trust have made their point, um, and the reason came out from the cons. We've sort of you know we've this that, and the other. They've come out with the new ticket pricing for. Uh, Brentford and Brighton, which is more reasonable, which is kind of what you expect from Premier League. Team. I don't think we need to really question it anymore. I think it is something to be uh, questioned in the future, just not for today. And obviously, Sunday's game, it marks the opening of the new stand. Way All 2,000 seats of Yay. it. Um, so, uh, Frenchie, Wigo and I, we're going to be sitting in it. And I think um, Claire Parrish is joining us with uh, with family. Uh, so, it be lovely. Um, and I'm just really looking forward to being in it, really. We're, um, you know, seeing... Uh, Seeing how it is, I imagine there won't be a huge amount of um, uh, bars and stuff like that active there yet. Um, but I th- I'm really excited. I mean, just watching it go up over the last um, f- few years now, really, isn't it? Go down, go up again. Um, obviously, obviously, Buller, you can't make it to the game. Uh, J Mac, I think you're at your 15th wedding of the month, aren't you? Yeah, I'm. I, I'm basically. I've, I'm not a very good actor anymore, so I've decided to be, become a vicar. And human ceremony, so I, I, I just, just do that. A wedding crasher. <laughs> yeah, a bit of that as British well. British yeah. reboot yeah. thereof. <laughs> yeah, or wedding singing as well. Sorry, just curious, Morgan. You mentioned about you don't see the. Is it just me, or have I? Have any, has anyone else actually forgotten what the old Riverside stand looked? No, I had a season ticket. In just because it's years. been ingrained in. I, I lived in. That. Okay, does that, I honestly when I. Honestly, when I went back to um, you know, for the you know for a couple of games last season, I'm looking at the Riverside stand. I'm just trying to think, how big is it compared to the last one? I just can't remember. I cannot remember what the you know points of reference were. Like, where did it end? How far? How high was it? I've completely forgotten what the old stand looked like. And I think well, it went up you know, to really it went up to row T, uh, maybe row U, V, maybe. Um, and then there was a couple, a couple of, boxes of boxes on top that of that. New, that. That much I remember, but yeah, it was it, like... was, it was pretty small. Uh, it held what three thousand, four thousand people, I think. Um, 
but you know, see, when actually when I first started going, um, it only had like uh, there were blocks of seats missing because they couldn't afford to put new seats in there. Uh, so it's a you know, it's amazing to see the evolution of that space. And you know, obviously we're having to wait a bit longer. Uh, it was a very complicated uh, build process with everything going on um so yeah very excited to get a first uh first taste of uh sitting in it obviously you know won't be sitting in it for 100 quid a ticket but i mean for 20 quid happy to sit in there um so yeah not bad yeah i mean before we uh, finish up lads uh anything else you'd like to add either of you j mac um no I, not really i mean i was actually going to ask you on that with do we know when it's actually fully open to everyone or is it going to be gradual more people as the season goes on? Because obviously we want to stay up. That is the main aim. We want to get, you know, 17th place and that'll do us. But I'm just saying, do we know it's going to be open to the to tier that you're sitting in? But does it start to get a bit more fuller for hospitality places, like, you know, hospitality games such as Man United, or, you know, where the money can come in a bit more? No, so, Not that I should So care basically about what they've said money, is that it's but... lower tier for this season. And then next season, the rest of it will be open. And I think it's as, I think it's so as black, as white, up, yeah. black and white as that. Um, they'll be using the corporate boxes uh, that they've been using for years. Right. And, uh, yeah, everything. I, I think the commentators and stuff will start using the stand more because they're being shifted over there from the Johnny Haynes, I believe. Um, right. But I, I could be wrong there. I may have just imagined that. But that's eventually they'll go over there. So maybe they'll do it. But right now it's still a building site upstairs internally. Fair enough. So. And the only other thing I was just going to add was I saw and just in, on Twitter just now, like and I think everyone else saw it, that uh, Diop is now potentially now being held up again. So I'm starting to think we should just get someone else in because this is Next. taking too long. Uh, yeah, just get, I don't know. I know you ha- I ha- you hate the idea, but a Rob Holding or a Rodon or a John Brooks or something like that, we just need someone in as soon as possible. What about Gerard Piquet? Later on. Yeah, that would, yeah. I mean, he's... That would be good. I mean... Didn't he shag his teammate? <laughs> Finally, up? do it. So I mean, he probably wants to get out of there. Um, yeah, he's in trouble. He's been. He's. I mean, who does that to Shakira? What the fuck is he playing? Anyway, yeah, it's, it's just. Gabby, yeah, he's. Well, he's actually a free agent now, so we could do it, but I don't think it would be very. Um, I don't know. It's the wrong move now, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> um, right, that's your lot for this episode. Then we'll be back next week to preview the first game of the season. Hey. Hopefully see a few of you down at the cottage on Sunday. And then straight after, we're going to be heading to the pub to hopefully see Lionesses succeed where the men's team couldn't. Uh, so best of luck to them. Uh, it'll be great if they could um, beat, I think, Germany as it's on at the moment. Uh, looking like they're going to be final, which is uh, which will be fun. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get yours and follow us on Twitter at Fulham Focus. And you can find us on Instagram and Facebook by searching Fulham Focus. Thanks very much for listening and speak to you soon.